Today on Breaking Bullying, it's Pride Month, and we continue our conversation with Bridget Martinez about her non-binary child, Alex, and the bullying that Alex has been subjected to. So let's hit that music, and let's get started. We pick back up this conversation as Bridget is going to explain to us exactly how Alex's school feels that Alex should not be able to discuss their gender identity with their own peers. That we're not allowed to discuss our sexuality or our proper pronouns. Oh, heaven forbid. Because it's inappropriate. That's one conversation I had with one of the, he's no longer with Alex's school. But I was told that Alex was educating a couple students on being non-binary and the preferred pronouns that they enjoy. They went home, explained this to their parents. Parents called the school and I received a phone call from the school the next day that my child is not allowed to discuss sexuality or sexual orientation with other students. but. If she wants to, she can discuss it with teachers, which I thought was a very, very odd statement. To be clear about that, what they said is, I really want this clear. I want this one very, very, very clear. A 10, 11-year-old child cannot discuss their budding identity with their peers. However, let's talk about this 11-year-old child's sexuality with uneducated and unqualified adults. Mm-hmm. Exactly, which I found incredibly inappropriate because the last person I want my child discussing her sexuality with as she's deciding that she's no longer a her is a grown person of either male or female descent. I don't care who you are. And like I said, I don't know enough about this. So that's why I sought out professionals that deal with these issues. And I don't think any second grade, third grade, fourth grade elementary teacher should have any place in discussing this. But I think if we're teaching about boy and girl parts and about sex ed, why can't we have a subcategory about people that are non-binary or transgender or gender fluid or you know there's such a disconnect on that level of education and if we started it a little bit younger maybe the suicide rate for these lovely human beings wouldn't be so extreme when they hit junior high school and high school where do you think this intolerance comes from does it have a societal base or religious or political base or might it just be flat-out ignorance? And also, did you tell them to go stick it? Um, I have a beautiful way with words. So I tell many people to stick it very, very nicely. And I have gotten no um, response. I have been told my daughter's teacher, I'm like, if we continue to have this issue, I go, I'll be here at 7 a.m. She smiled at me and told me I don't show up till 7.30. They don't want the stigma around it, the potential issues around it of educating these, these younger people about these lifestyle changes and these lifestyle things. 
So I think their easiest way to not have to deal with that at this level is just to ignore it and to try to, you know, hope that it goes away. You know, what what the school needs to teach then for an alternative is how to accept people where they're at and just leave it there. Mm-hmm. What is wrong with teaching acceptance these days? It's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. We've covered a lot of what the school did wrong. Bridget, if you were to come up with a game plan of things the school should be doing or could be doing, what would those things be? I think we need to have parents take more of an active role with these issues as they come. It's like I said, back when I was in school, it was your mom, my mom, me, and you in a room with a teacher, and everything was hashed out these little dealing with things. And I don't even get told the students' names when they're verbally and physically assaulting my my child. And then when I get, I ask the, the people involved, the, the adults in the situation, the parent or the, the principal, the teachers, can you let me know when you've contacted their parents? Well, yeah, but I can't tell you what they say. There's such a disconnect now. That's what's really, really scary to me is because what if your child is completely flipping this where they're the victim, but yet I'm watching and being told that this is what's happening to my child. So what if, what if there's that complete disconnect in this potential junior sociopath that's tormenting my poor, poor child on a daily basis, where you see your child as the poor, poor little victim of, of my child. So I think if the school really wants to eliminate some of these issues, because you see it all the time, the, the Facebook post, oh, I finally found out my child's been bullying somebody, so now they're walking to school for the next week. Like, I feel like if a lot of parents were made aware of what's happening more on a social level and become aware of that, they could improve potentially their child's behavior depending on how their views are at home. Yeah, we're going to have those incidences where the apple didn't even leave the branch of the tree. But you do have those incidences where it's just a child that's lashing out and just need someone to be a parent, you know? And if the school can't step in and tell these kids what you're doing is wrong, it needs to come from their parents. And I think that disconnect is just a horrible thing. There's no longer communication amongst parents, and then we feel like we need to take things and matters into, sadly, our own hands. And that's when you get these lovely YouTube videos of parents fighting. But it doesn't need to come to those extremes if we could just learn to, like you guys said, accept everyone. But the odds that that happen are, you know, slim to none. We've been working on that for how many hundreds of years here? But I think to make life more tolerable 
it doesn't even have to be good for school. You know, you're always going to have issues in school. You couldn't pay me to go back to elementary or high school now that I'm almost 40. We could make it more tolerable. We could make it more accepting. We can make it more safe environment. Like no child should have to feel like when they go to school that they're going to be either verbally, physically, or sexually assaulted. And that's the worst thing is like we send our children here to be educated and the education that they need for society, they're not receiving. This is a lot of stress for a 10-year-old child. How does Alex cope with this? Like I said, our counselor works with us about coping mechanisms, but we have dealt with some issues of um, self-harm, which is heartbreaking as a parent to say out loud, because the last thing you want to do is watch your baby hurt themselves. And we've talked to the counselor and my husband recently went into school because we had an incident and he went in there, big Papa Bear style, and was like, do you see what they're doing to her? Like what they're making her do. It was a very emotional conversation between him, the principal, and then I had a conversation with the principal later on about this topic. It's not that they cut because they're suicidal or it's not that they cut because they want to hurt themselves. They cut because they feel like it's the only thing that they can control and it's a release of all these emotions. And it's something that they feel like they can feel because they're told that they're not supposed to feel these feelings and they're not supposed to have these feelings. So we've resorted to self-harm in the last year on a couple occasions, which, like I said, is very, very emotional and very, very hard for me to even say out loud. But I'm hoping that if this can get to someone, that's another reason why we're in counseling and we work so desperately about self-love. I wish that I could just wave a wand and take it all away. But all I can do is try my best to be there and to educate, to let people know that, you know, your child, I say this to mine all the time, once you say a word, you can't erase it, you can't take it back, it's out in the air forever. Do you and your husband have any support structure behind you? (laughs) Um, I have an amazing mother, um, which Sensei Tim has dealt with on 110 occasions because she uh, actually lives with us. And then I have an amazing group of coworkers and friends that accept Alex just the way that mm, the beautiful little human that they are. I have friends and family. I've recently reached out to a group called PFLAG, um, which is something that Michael D. Cohen introduced me to. We also attend the Pride here in Mankato and such. But the bad thing is there's not like huge support groups and a lot of these issues, like I said, are stuff that people kind of want to just ignore for cost for a better term. As a parent, it's hard to show that you're emotional 
and that you're weak in front of your child. That's something that I think all parents always want to be, you know, Wonder Woman and Superman to their child. But my child is very much so aware and has actually told the principal of the school, you're not going to want to make that phone call because Mama Bear is going to come up here, you know. And so the fact that my child knows that I am her protector is very empowering. At the end of the day, my life is hers. So I deal with it to the best of my ability. But outside of friends inventing and, you know, crying on the occasional shoulder and questioning everything that I'm doing, that's that's about the only support that I have, unfortunately. Bruce, am I going to make you cry? <laughs> you look like you're going to cry with me. I Yeah, well, I'm not going to, but I, like, I react when people cry. I can't tell. I'm far more empathetic than I would prefer to be. I'd like to be a cold-hearted bastard, but I'm not. I, Damn it. Wouldn't that be amazing if we could turn it on and off? Like, I would love the... It'd be awesome. You are undeserving of my emotions. I smell you with disdain. Boom. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. I'm getting back on track. Right. So, Bridget, I personally feel that a large part of the problem with bullying is that we all suffer in silence to some degree. So, if there are other parents out there who are dealing with, let's say, similar circumstances to what you and your child are going through, would you want them to reach out to you? Most definitely. I feel like, like I said, I don't have too many people that can directly relate to what's going on in my situation, but I have people that are very accepting to my situation. You know what I mean? Like they have no idea what I'm dealing with, but they, they love me as a human being and are caring towards me. So they're caring towards my child. It would be very, very reassuring to know that, you know, I'm not alone, but I know that I'm not. But it would be very, very nice to have other people that are in similar situations to speak up or to speak out because we're going, we're the only ones. Like when you say suffer in silence, we can't. If we suffer in silence, our children are never going to have a voice. So we have to scream at the top of our lungs in the nicest way possible at these schools, at these social situations to stop it. To Like I said, it would be great if we could all sit in a room and just have a conversation but it's almost like the school wants to prevent that because, like I said, they just don't want the confrontation part of the conversation. And that is so difficult to deal with as a parent. One of the other things that happened on this program was a discussion where the school was like, we don't want to make anyone feel bad. Mm -hmm. And what they meant by that is they didn't want to make the other person feel bad because clearly, the victim in this situation is always feeling bad. I don't think we can let that sort of mentality stand, and I do think there are strength in numbers. I am not the person to organize it, but I feel there would be benefit in a parent group specifically for children of the rainbow. I do want to ask this, though. You know, in the past 
few months, though, I have seen Alex's confidence improve. She doesn't stop talking in class, very chatty, very happy, very excited. Is that also happening to her at school, too? Or is it just here? Because I'm hoping it happens all over. Did that you know, kick, kick start our, something yes, other than just the kick? There's always been a positive at the end of bullying. And Alex is 10, 11 years old right now and still dealing with this. But has her life gotten a little bit better in the past few months, you would say? Or is it mm-hmm. the same? No, um, I think as we're taking more of a defensive role so much as a doormat role where we're actually voicing um, that we're not okay with the way people talk to us and we're not okay with people touching us and we're not okay with these kind of behaviors and we're not going to stand for them and we're going to stand up for ourselves. I do think that it's giving um, them a certain level of confidence and I love seeing that considering you and I just talked about it, Tim, the other day when you pulled me into the office. Um, I felt like I was going to the principal. <laughs> Alex comes ripping outside. Sensei Tim needs to talk to you. I'm like, oh, God. I'm like, what did I do? In the beginning, completely quiet, like never, you know, very, very reserved. You know, and now budded into the beautiful flower that that it is. And is very, very social and very, very talkative when you when you get to know him. But in that same sense, you know, and the the confidence to stick up and to say comments back. You know, not necessarily like an appropriate way, but just to let them know that it's not okay, that you can't say that to me, that, you know, that's not nice. Even those things I don't think we would have saw even in the beginning of the school year compared to the end of the school year. I I call it the breaking point that she's on the teeter of or the ledge. And that's why I said, I said, you guys are going to make my child a behavioral issue because you guys can't take care of these issues because now I'm getting phone calls where she's being forced to apologize, like I said, to her attackers because of the fact that she is sticking up for herself. They're finally getting to the point where it's it's no longer, like I said, it's defense instead of doormat. I remember it was about, gosh, maybe early this winter, six months ago, she told me about where she had to apologize to her bully because the bully, I can't remember, it happened by the lockers. The yep. bully hit her and she fought back and the teacher just saw that part. And she was visibly upset in class because I asked her what was wrong. And she told me what happened at school. And I was like, it's not right. It's not fair. Is there value in telling her when she's put in a circumstance like that, that this is an unfair thing and that if she were to refuse to apologize under that circumstance, that it is okay for her not to apologize? She has refused to apologize. Good for Alex. I've gotten phone calls where they're like, she did not apologize to the student for what she did. And I said, and she don't have to. I will never let my child apologize to an attacker for their own actions and their own behaviors. And every action has a reaction is the way that I see it. So if you are pushing something to the limit where they're going to strike out or strike back, 
and that's a discussion that I've had with the teachers and principals also. Like I said, I'm never going to be upset with my child for defending herself. And we've gotten into not necessarily arguments, but discussions about that because they're like, well, then you'll have to deal with the repercussions of that. And I said, yeah, and we'll get ice cream every day. Don't worry about us. (laughs) If she gets suspended for defending herself, I'm not going to be upset about that. But I tell her, I go, you do not resort to violence unless you feel like you're being physically threatened. So that's why in the couple circumstances where she got thrown into the locker and she kicked back and where the young man was pinching her and accosting her from one end of the playground to the next and she was seeking out assistance and couldn't find anyone and finally got mad enough where she kicked again. Like those are the only two incidences where my child has resorted to physical violence and both of them I feel were justified reactions to a situation especially at this age we're not talking about 16 18 year old kids where their brains are so much more developed in these you know in these circumstances she boiled over I I told her I'm like if you're a pot and all that steam's building up it's gonna pop eventually And she's popped off twice and she was requested to apologize to her attacker on both of those occasions. She did it to the first one. And that's when I gave her all reason to never, never do that again. Was that then when she was placed into the safe zone or the victim safe zone at school? Yeah, that came shortly thereafter because they realized that her relationship with these other two female students was very, very toxic. The worst thing about it is my child is a forgiver and wants to be friends with everyone. And they know that. So they were using that to their advantage to lure them into playing situations just to trip just to push it's funny that you said that because we just had a guest on a few weeks ago from illinois now in tennessee jay exact same experience he was lured into it a fake friendship guys nose Mm -hmm. cheek broken yep and the worst thing is like i said i call these kids future sociopaths because that's exactly what behavior they exhibit when doing things like that you know by befriending someone just to build confidence to have the end game be assault or embarrassment or belittlement, like all of those things just to boost your own ego is very, 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 very much so a crazy characteristic of someone that's amoral or has no kind of judgment or the simplest thing that's of compassion like why why would you ever want to push someone if you know that there's a tree right there yeah like why and then how is alex supposed to develop trust in people when alex grows up that's where like i said i told her she never has to apologize unless she is genuinely sorry i've told her that you can't be everyone's friends I go, there's people that are going to just be evil to be evil and ugly to be ugly. 
I think because I'm very much a social person, she sees that I have a lot of different people that I'm very, very close with, all different backgrounds. And I think she kind of wants to mirror that behavior in a way. But I tell her, even when I was in school, I dealt with bullying, even as a grown woman, which is so sad, ladies, can we get off of that? We tear each other down and we make fun of, you know, each other's waist, you know, looks, you know, and it's just, it's so horrible that we're comparing ourselves to unrealistic expectations as grown women still. We want plastic surgeries and all these other issues that we as grown people still bully other grown people. So it's a perpetual behavior, which is very, very unfortunate because you you think, you know, okay, well, once you're out of high school, these people probably grow out of it. No, they don't. And it's worse now because there's the internet and they can hide behind a screen. And we call them trolls now, which is a very fitting phrase for them. But the fact that we're still dealing with it as a society, not just on a playground now, but in everyday life is just still absolutely intolerable and ridiculous, in my opinion. Coming towards the end of this interview, what advice do you have for other parents, other people? Love your child. Be their their safe place. Don't give your child a reason to want to recover because of you from their childhood. If you can't show your child what unconditional love is, you're failing as a parent and as a human being, in my opinion. Teach your kids acceptance of all people, not just the people that you accept, I guess would be another good key fact. And I just wish in every situation that people could take responsibility for their individual actions. That's something else that we need to teach our children to not play victim and to not point fingers and to not make excuses for our behavior. Thank you so much for coming on and speaking with us tonight, especially considering (laughs) how absolutely positively horrifically last minute it really was. (laughs) Only if you could see what was going on from eight to nine o'clock. It was a shit show. That's right, listeners, you heard it. Tim said shit show. Oh, Tim, like I said, because of Tim and his program, I have seen vast improvements in my child's physical, emotional, and just overall mental stability and health. So I, like I said, I completely support Tim and his uh, lovely little group of trainers he has there. And they are all major, major, amazing people, if you ask me. So that's why I said for you, Tim, send me the link. Bruce, (laughs) Bruce better not cut that out either. He better keep that in the podcast. And I did keep it in, Tim. I did. Thank you, Bruce. So... Let me ask you this. We just had this long discussion about somebody who you have direct personal experience with. What are your own impressions of Alex? You know, Bruce, Alex is one of those kids that wants to be everybody's friend. Very kind, courteous, respectful. I am very proud on how far Alex has improved at Kato Karate. When Alex first came here, Bruce, Alex had no friends. 
Alex is very quiet. Alex stayed by themselves. But fast forward now to a year, Alex is very talkative in class. I still have to make sure. Sometimes I have to get on Alex's case like, shh, attention, no talking to your friends. Like everyone else, we can't talk. But back in my head, I'm still proud of Alex because I can see the confidence grow inside themselves. And I can really hear the pride in your voice. You know, just like last week, if there's one thing that we hope that people would get out of this is that regardless to race, religion, gender identity, no matter who somebody is, everybody has value and everybody should be treated with dignity and respect. I agree. Now, if you would like to be put in contact with Alex's mother, Bridget, or if you have a story that you would like to share with us, you can reach out at breakbullyinghere at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Wherever you're listening to the podcast, be it Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever else it is, please leave us a like and a comment. We'd really appreciate it. If you or someone you know is being bullied, there are online resources that can help you. The first is the government's own anti-bullying website, and you can find it at www.stopbullying.gov. The other resource is www.pacer.org backslash bullying. And in this episode, we talked about self-harm. And if you find yourself with those thoughts, please call the National Suicide Hotline at 988. You're not alone. There is help out there. And as always, I'm Tim Flynn with Bruce Knoxon. Join us next week for a brand new episode of Breaking Bowling as we are here to break the silence on bullying.